0: This week, Abdullah M. wants to know how he can invest in a small business as a minority owner and not be subject to a personal guarantee. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe and let's get to it. All right, everyone, so I got this, I got this great uh, message. Abdullah was watching the video called non-equity ownership. And he left this comment. He says, please make a video on buying a business as a group from an investor perspective, not as the operating partner. Please go over all the variations and how to not be subject to a personal guarantee. So a couple of weeks ago, I made a video about avoiding personal guarantees, which might be of interest to anyone who wants to, to, who's interested in this topic. We'll put a link to it uh, floating around up here. Um, but um, instead of going over all the different variations that a group of people might buy a business, I'm going to focus specifically on the point of view of that individual. So I'm going to put myself in Abdullah's shoes where he's, you know, got this business opportunity or somebody wants to buy a business and, and they are going to be the operator. And he's going to be looking at this opportunity. You know, what should kinds of things should Abdullah be, be thinking about? So let's start with avoiding a personal guarantee. So if we're going to assume that there is a primary business buyer who is going to become the operator and they are kind of leading this endeavor, right? And they want to use a bank. So there are other people online that talk about how you could buy a business uh, without using any of your own money by finding investors to put up the down payment. And so investor would be Abdullah, right? So... Uh, he's going to put up the money for this other person to buy a business, and you know what should he be thinking about? Well, if we're going to have a bank involved as an additional part of the financing that that is going to fill in that business acquisition, uh, then number one, uh, many banks will not require the investor to sign a personal guarantee if the investor has a very small percentage of the overall ownership. So, and these rules are subject to change. But uh, there's a lot of people who will talk about this in the U.S., for example, with Small Business Administration. I think if it's here, your, if you're below a certain line, that they, they won't require that investor to sign a personal guarantee for the bank loan. Okay, um, and why do banks want minority investors or other investors to personally guarantee the bank loan? Because they know that these small businesses are all driven by personality and relationships, right? And so, if someone was uh, trying to avoid a personal guarantee, but wanted to materially control a business, which could have a material relationship with other businesses under that investor's control, then one of the ways that they could access the funding from the bank would be to put up this candidate buyer, often referred to, for example, as a straw man buyer, uh, who's like, you know, a fake figurehead. And they say, here's the money. I'm an investor only. You run the business, but I'm going to pull all your strings and I'm going to make you do what I want, which could have positive impact for other businesses that I own and control, for example. Um, And if things go poorly, uh, your neck is on the line, not mine, when it comes to the bank. So banks have seen it all, guys. Like, don't think you're going to come up with some new scheme to, to get it over on the bank. Like, they, they've gone, they've been through this, they know what they're doing. And, and their number one game is to make loans and avoid risk, right? So by owning a very small percentage, sometimes the bank will allow you to not sign a personal guarantee as an investor. So another option, um, and again, this comes down to the type of loan from the bank, who the bank is, where in the world you are, but perhaps a different class of stock. So a preferred stock, for example, Um, if the bank will allow it it might be another way for you to invest in the business without being an owner, without being the primary person. And maybe you're not going to be asked to sign a personal guarantee. So I've made other videos about, you know, different classes of stock and uh, mezzanine financing is uh, one example of that. So a third example could be that instead of owning stock in that company you want to invest in, you make them a loan, which may be subordinated to the bank loan. So you might agree to allow the bank's lien or charge against security to be ahead of you. Uh, and so you're just making a loan, which means it's extra debt, but you get some kind of warrants, which entitle you to share ownership under certain circumstances, maybe with a predetermined price or some kind of time frame. So it could be, for example, that you make a loan with a specific interest and in payment, but if the business is sold... While you're still owed money, then you have the right to purchase a certain number of shares at a fixed value. So in the sale, maybe you get this big bump up. You get to a a windfall gain um, through the sale of the business. So it's kind of like you're making a loan, but you're exposing yourself to the potential upside if the business were to be sold. Um, and there's a for the um another one would be instead of being an investor in the buyer's business instead of doing that in the deal, you look for assets in the business that are tangible and valuable, like maybe the business that is going to be purchased owns a truck. And so what you say to this business buyer, you say, look, instead of me investing in the business with you, why don't I just buy the truck separately from the rest of the business acquisition and I'll lease the truck to you? And so if you if you wanna go down the avenue of the loan versus the lease investing in the small business, then uh, you should pick up this book. Uh, It's the book I wrote in 2014, Invest Local. Um, And you can get it on Amazon if you want the paperback. It's like, you know, maybe $20, but it's on Kindle, et cetera, for 10 bucks. And it's on Audible too. Um, but in this book, I go through all the different variations of loans, leases, how you formulate it, et cetera. And also there's a warning in this book about why you may not want to ever put yourself in the position that Abdullah is talking about being a minority shareholder in a small privately controlled business. Um, and I'm going to get into some of the other things that I would recommend Abdullah would do if he was going to do this kind of thing. And then the fifth one, the fifth option is to not use a bank. Okay. So what would that mean? It would mean that maybe there are a multitude of investors that are all putting in equity. So they're buying common stock along with the person who is the, the lead operator person. Uh, and there simply is no bank. So there's no one around to demand a personal guarantee, right? Uh, it's, it's always the bank that asks for that. Um, and so think about a tech firm, you know, someone who can't borrow money because they don't have a cash flow. what do they do? sell tons of shares to lots of people. And that's how they raise their funding uh, to be able to get the cash to do things. And so there's no personal guarantees because there's no bank loan to guarantee. Okay, so now, Abdullah, if you're going to do this, if you're going to put yourself in this kind of position, here are the things that you need to watch out for uh, in examining the deal. Uh, Number one, you need to know the operator well. You have to do due diligence on the operator. Who is this person? What is their background? Do they have the right experience? Um, do you know them? Are they connected with you socially? For example, it's a big thing that I talk about in here when doing loans and leases to small business is you want to be connected socially to them so that there is a cost over and above the default if things don't go well. So if you know all of this person all of this person's friends and then they know that you've invested money and then this guy fails he's now got to bear the burden of knowing that all of his friends that also know you likely know that he lost your money right it creates an added incentive for somebody not to mess up right because they 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 don't want to disappoint you and by extension have their their reputation socially tarnished through the failure, uh, it's very different than defaulting on a bank loan, where you know people default on a bank loan, they you know go through all kinds of things like that, and, and they don't tell anyone, nobody knows, right? So you want to make sure that that kind of thing is in place, that that you know them and you can trust them. Number two, know the other investors. So remember how I was saying earlier how investors can have an influence on the operator, right? Well, the other investors are going to be having an influence on the operator too. And if their interests are somehow, um, if there's a conflict of interest, right? Like if some of those other investors potentially might be suppliers to the business or customers of the business or something, there could be some other stuff going on that could disadvantage you as an investor. So you want to know who the other investors are and you want to make sure that both you, the operator, and the other investors all have a certain level of business maturity and sophistication to understand what is the investor's role and how is it different from the operator's role. The last thing you want is for investors to be walking into the business all the time, thinking that they can tell people what to do and having direct input on management. Investors are supposed to receive reports and information about the business, attend the annual general meeting. And if you're a significant enough investor that you're gonna be on the board, then maybe you're gonna be part of some kind of regular board meeting where you'll be examining high level decisions that are going on in the business and giving direction to the operator who is the day-to-day manager of the business. And so you wanna make sure that the other people that you're with in this bucket of investors, get that, that they understand that, okay? Um, You need to have a legal agreement, a shareholders agreement, Uh, done up by a lawyer who has experience in these matters, who can go through the litany of questions and what if scenarios that uh, some of these agreements often foresee. So what happens if one of the investors dies? What happens if one of the investors does this? What happens if the business does this? What happens if the business needs more money? Can they do a capital call? What happens if everyone else puts in money but you? How, what are the rules about, you know, more money going in? Are are more shares issued, which dilute your position, right? Or does the other money go in as a loan, shareholder loan, right? What then priority is the repayment of those loans if other people put in money and you didn't or vice versa, right? So these are the things you have to think about. Um, You need to carefully define what the business operator is going to get out of the business. For example, salary, perks, benefits, et cetera. If you do not properly define this, you might find that the business operators, teenage children have company cell phones and that whenever they go to a business meetings, they're flying first class. And you think to yourself, wait a minute, if they're spending money like that on lifestyle perks within the business, which many small business owners do, but most small business owners are the only owner of their company, right? Many small business owners will do these things, Um, But what it does is it reduces the profit of the business, which means there's less money available to come out in the form of dividends or whatever to the investors. So you want to carefully define what that looks like. Um, In the world of uh, like, if you go looking online for, you know, investing in small business or investing in businesses, you're going to, you're going to run into the Silicon Valley startup crowd. You know, they're, they're very vocal online because they're very technical and, you know, if you go to a place like Twitter, you know they're, they're all talking about this stuff. And in the world of venture capitalists and angel investors and all this kind of thing, uh, these people make many investments in multiple in a multitude of small businesses, and they know that many of the businesses that they invest in are not going to make it, right? And what these people are doing is they're they're engaging in a portfolio risk management method where they make multiple investments and they know that one of them may do really well. And that business is either gonna go public or be bought for a lot of money. And this will then allow them to get an overall rate of return on the entire portfolio. But a lot of those other businesses may close creating a, a tax uh, loss, which they can offset their their gains on. But those those types of investors, those venture capitalists, what they don't want is for those startups to become small businesses. They don't want the startups to grow to have two million in sales and then have a good cash flow and start producing a dividend because it ends up in this, um, you know, middle ground. Like, like they're in this. uh, um, Oh, I forget the term, Uh, you know, halfway between uh, uh, the two outcomes when we pass on. uh, in, in, In like a limbo kind of space where it's neither a failure or a winner. And and so they don't like that because it continues to require their management time, but they can't see an exit because they can't see how it can be sold because it's not going public and it's not big enough or successful enough to be bought out. But what you're talking about doing, Abdullah, is specifically investing in those small businesses that the venture capitalists wouldn't want to be in. And here's the difference is that when you make that investment, you have to actually have an exit plan completely planned out for what is likely going to be the way that you get your money back. So the lead uh, buyer who is going to become the operator, they have to have a solution for you. So it could be that, you know, if there's a bank loan, we're going to run the business and we're going to take all the profits to pay off the bank loan, you know, as expeditiously as we can, we're going to have a certain cash reserve. Then everything beyond that goes to the bank loan to pay it off early. And once we've paid off the bank loan, Uh, Then we're going to revalue the business, and then we're going to start to use those excess profits to uh, maybe buy back shares from the investors, and that's how you're going to exit. And so our best plan is that it's going to take this many years, and then we're going to buy back the shares potentially for this amount of money. And so you know how you're going to get out, right? You know going in how you're likely going to get out. You don't want to invest and have no way of knowing how you're ever going to get out of this thing. because pension plans and all these other institutional investors, they can do that in the investments they make because these are entities that live forever. You as a person don't live forever. You need to have some kind of timeline, some kind of time frame. And so a lot of private equity groups, for example, that take money from private individuals to make investments, they'll create a program of a certain number of years. So it's like a five year fund horizon. They buy something, they operate it, then they intend to sell it. And this is how they're going to get their money out. The lead buyer in your organization may intend to buy a business to run it for decades through if they're a younger person, right? So if that's the case, how do you get your money back? And when, right? So you wanna have this as part of the plan. Um, And the last thing, Abdullah, is understand uh, that business is risky and you could lose all your money. So yeah, I hope I covered everything. Man, it was a great question. Um and um, you know, I, I do run across people uh in a position similar to Abdullah. And um one of the one of the most interesting things is just, you know, meeting people who see the the world of small business as an interesting asset class. Um and I would say that um if you're planning to be an individual direct investor as a minority investor in these things. Um, it should make up a very small portion of your overall wealth portfolio. Uh, because business, small business especially, is very risky. And if you're not in the driver's seat, um, then you have to have a lot of trust and faith in whoever is doing the day-to-day operations. Um, and I would also say that, you know, if there is an, an ownership group, an investor group, and you know everyone really well, and everyone kind of brings different uh types of skills and things that could be helpful to the main operator uh then you can end up in a pretty good situation where you get synergies between the investors and the operator where um the operator is getting even more than the monetary investment they're also taking advantage of all the other sort of benefits that uh that those other investors have um it really at the end of the day it comes down to relationships and this kind of thing i in my own experience from the people i've met that have done these things uh, it, it often, you have a hard time doing this between strangers. Uh, you need to have relationships. And the problem for most of these primary buyers who then want to go seek capital is that a lot of these buyers who, who are looking for investors, they don't have enough of these sophisticated people in their own network to pull it off. That's the key. So to then turn the tables on this conversation. Now I'm you know, I'm kind of done addressing Abdullah's question. I'm talking now to people who might want to go find investors. If you think that you want to do this kind of thing at some point in the future, work hard on building your personal network of people who are experienced business owners who have access capital, who might want to become the Abdullah for you. And that's where I'll leave today. Thanks very much, everyone. Um, you want to learn more, about, uh, about buying, uh, businesses, then I would suggest you head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com. And that's where you can learn all about how I help people buy businesses. And, um, you know, there's my online course, there's, uh, links to playlists on YouTube. There's my coaching program, business buyer, uh, business buyer adventure, and as well, uh, information about some of the one-on-one consulting that I do to help people as well. And, um, and with that, we'll see you later. We'll, uh, with a few words from our sponsor. Special thanks quote to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.